Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading Star of Light by Patricia Sanjan with permission of Moody Publishing Company. And we are reading Chapter 11, Christmas. Haman and Hasha crept shivering into the mosque one morning to find the olive groves in the mountains above the town white with snow. Winter season had come to stay. One week was particularly cold and bleak, and on a night of drizzling rain, the children arrived at the door as usual and knocked impatiently, for the wind seemed to be cutting them in two, and their sodden, fluttering rags clung to their bodies. The door was opened at once, and they tumbled over the threshold, eager to reach the warmth of the fireplace. But once inside the passage, they stopped suddenly and stared, the cold and the rain forgotten. For instead of the bright glare of the electric light, they found himself facing the soft blaze of candles set in a circle on a little table in the middle of the room, with olive branches wreathed around them. On the floor, arranged like a picnic on a colored cloth, a feast was spread. There were nuts and almonds and raisins and sweets, oranges, bananas, sugar biscuits, honey cakes, and on a tray in the corner was a shining teapot and a collection of little glasses. A kettle sang merrily on the glowing charcoal, and the room seemed warm and welcome. Even Kinza had stayed up for the feast. She sat on a cushion holding a big red and white rubber ball, and her face lighted expectantly. It's a feast of Christians today, explained the nurse to the wide-eyed little boys, so I thought we would celebrate it together. It is a feast of the birth of Jesus Christ. He was the greatest gift God ever gave, and so it's his feast we all give presents to each other. That was why Kinza had a rubber ball, and I've brought you all sweets and oranges and bananas. The children sat down to their feast shyly at the first because of the strangeness of it all. But gradually their tongues loosened and their toes and fingers thawed and their cheeks flushed. They talked and ate merrily, tucked away their fruit and sweets in their rags to eat later, and sipping glass after glass of hot sweet mint tea. Haman took, could not take his eyes off Kenza. She was dressed in her very best blue frock, and her curls were brushed like a halo. How round and sturdy she had grown. He suddenly remembered the white-faced, ragged little sister of past winters, the mud in the village and the poverty and the wretchedness. All that seemed shut out now, and they seemed to be cut off from the bleak world outside, sitting in the warm, kind circle of candlelight. The children were talking about feasts in general, and he began to talk too. He told him about the sheep feast in his own village, and the nurse, watching his eager face, felt glad. He, too, had changed since the night he took the eggs. He was no longer a shy, fearful little stranger, but took his place confidently every night. She sat watching him, longing to know what happened in, this child, in his child's heart, until her attention was taken suddenly by something that was happening beside her. Kenza had risen to her feet, and there was a look on her face the nurse had never seen before, as if she remembered something, some dearly loved sound. Groping forward, uncertainly, felt her way with a touch and hearing, she moved towards the speaker and stood beside him, wondering what to do. At any other time, Haman would have been frightened at his secret being discovered and would probably have pushed Kenza away. But this was an atmosphere in the room that night that took away fear and suspicion, and Haman, forgetting everyone else, put his arms around his little sister and drew her close to him. She nestled up to him, remembering the voice she loved, and laid her shining head comfortably against his wet rags. The nurse, watching in amazement, suddenly noticed how alike they were. Little memories flashed into her mind, 
The two children had arrived at the same time from nowhere. Amon had asked to see Kenza asleep, and she had noticed how secretly he secretly watched her in the street. She suddenly felt quite sure that they were brother and sister. But even if she was right, it would make no difference. Amon was unlikely to tell a secret, and she certainly would not part with Kenza. She could only wonder what sad story had brought them to the city and be glad that they had been led to her door. The other children stared, too. She knows his voice, they thought wonderingly. They glanced at each other with surprise, but they could not speak their thoughts in front of the nurse and soon forgot about it as they drank more glasses of mint tea. And then when the feast was ended, the nurse asked them to turn around and look at the white sheet hung on the wall. She blew out the flickering candles and the pictures appeared on the sheet. The boys thought it was magic and watched wide-eyed and open-mouthed. It started with a picture of a girl and a boy knocking at the door of an inn, but they had to go away because there was no room. Amon felt sorry for them because he too was on, the, on his first night in town and had stood and gazed into an inn longing for shelter. He had had no money, so he slept on a rubbish heap. But the couple had gone into the stable and the next picture showed them inside with the cattle. It was a wonderful thing that had happened. She gave birth to a baby son and wrapped him in a cloth and laid him in the manger. Amon remember how his mother had wrapped up Kenza and how she had slept in a wooden cradle. This baby was a child of very poor people, no doubt. But what was the nurse saying? The baby in the manger was Jesus Christ, whose birth all Christians celebrated. It was God's great gift, and he had come willingly. The stable in the picture looked rather dark, lit only by one small lantern, but the home of the Son of God in heaven was bright with a light of glory and love. Why had he left it? The nurse was telling them, Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He left the light and came into dark, a homeless child, so he could lead people to the shelter and love of his father, God. And then there was a third picture. There were shepherds in the hillside, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Amon thought of his own goats in the days he had spent with them in the mountains. Another picture appeared, angel appearing to the shepherds who were afraid. Fear not, unto you is born a Savior, said the angel. And the sheep grazed on contently. There was peace in the heavens and goodwill on earth. Then the last picture flashed on the screen. Two shepherds were kneeling barefoot in the rough fleece coats, worshiping the king of heaven who had become a homeless child, lying in a manger among the cattle. It was over. The nurse switched on the lights and the pictures faded. There was nothing left of the feast except the burnt out candles, sweet papers, orange peels, and banana skins. But the thought of a love that gave and of a love that became poor stayed with Haman as he stepped thoughtfully out into the wet street. Kenza stood in the doorway waving as they went, and as he passed he put out a shy hand and touched her hair. The other boys had gone on ahead, but Haman lauded, lauded, the picture still bright in his head, not noticing the drizzling rain. As he passed under a street lamp, a sharp little mooing caught his eyes. Looking down, he saw a skeleton-like kitten, very small and wet, trying to shelter behind a drain pipe. In his 11 years of life, he had seen many starving kittens dying in the street, but had never given them any second thought. But tonight was somehow different. He could not possibly have explained, but the first seeds of gentleness had been sown in his heart. He found to his surprise that he cared about the starving little creature, and he picked it up and held it against him. It was so thin that its skin seemed to be stretched tightly over its bones. 
and he could feel the heart beating rapidly. What should he do with it? He had no doubts at all. It was one open door where it would certainly be welcome, and Kinsey would probably love it. It would be his Christmas gift to her. He pattered back over the cobbles and knocked at the nurse's door. When she opened it, he held out the shivering, wretched creature with perfect confidence. It's for Kinza, he explained, a gift of the feast. It's very hungry and cold, so I brought it to you. The nurse hesitated. The last thing she really wanted just then was a half-dead ginger kitten covered with sores and fleas, but she could not refuse because she knew why he had given it. With a sigh of joy, she realized that her evening's work had just been in vain, had not been in vain. One little boy at least understood and entered into the spirit of Christmas. He had wanted to give, and he had been gentle and kind to the outcast kitten. It was the last time she had ever seen a local child care about the suffering of an animal. So she accepted it gratefully and joyfully, and then holding it at arm's length, she carried it to a box near the fire and sprinkled it all with a disinfectant powder. And then she gave it a saucer of milk, and it twitched its tail with a cheeky angle and lapped it up, a tough, brave little kitten that deserved to be saved. As she sat watching it, a funny picture came into her mind that left her laughing. She imagined all the Christmas love gifts before the manger, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and perched on top of the glittering pile, precious in the eyes of the one to whom it was given, was a thin, flea-ridden ginger kitten with its tail sticking up in the air, the sign of a little boy's love and care. Tomorrow we'll read Chapter 12, Jenny. I love you. I'm praying for you. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.